Hey guys, it's Grace, and I'm here before you listen to the episode to give you a little fair warning because we recorded this entire episode with my microphone turned off. And that's completely my fault. <laughs> but I wanted to give you guys um, just a warning that it's kind of hard to hear what we're saying at some points, um, especially because Kylie and I like to talk over each other a little bit. But we didn't want to re-record because then that takes away the authenticity of our conversations. So all that to say, next week, I'm going to make sure my mic is turned on. Um, but thank you for being here. We love you. And please enjoy. Bye-bye. Welcome back, you sexy creatures of the earth. Welcome back to Mused, our episode. second episode. What the Ooh. fuck is up? Yeah. So we've recorded this uh, three times now. um this is the third time this is the third time third time's a charm baby but we did want to say our gratitude and appreciation and love and admiration for everybody that has listened to our first debut episode (laughs) it is really crazy to see people going out of their way to listen to us speak that's just a really crazy concept um and we are very very grateful from the pits of our souls um the first day that our or the day that the podcast came out um grace and i were on the phone truly the entire day i don't think i got out of my bed until 4 p.m and that was to get the <laughs> uh, yeah it was an entire day of like strategy strategy <laughs> yeah. logistics yeah, love. yeah. It, was, it was a crazy day um yes. and grace and i felt very supported and so we really just wanted to thank you guys because it means so much more than you know. It truly does. Words can only execute so much of our vision. Um, I think it's like it's crazy because this is something that we've been so excited about and so like passionate about for months right. now, like leading up to this, and for it to like finally a happen. Like you know the joke that like trips never like make it out of the group chat, like. Yeah, we were fully convinced this would not make it out of the group chat, for real. Right, and it made it out of the group chat, and the fact that people, like, actually like it and think that, like, it's worth listening to and, like, taking time, like, your precious time out of your day to listen to is just crazy to me. Yeah, but one of Grace's friends texted her and reached out and said that she was fully taking notes about our first episode, which is just... That made me cry. (laughs) that, That made the both of us cry. We And I posted on my story, too um that grace and i cried a couple times that day and i was not lying i'm a truther yeah um, but truly thank you so much for being here with us um we have a cool little episode in store for you today we are going to be getting into the context of who we are as not only creatives but people because mm-hmm. uh, we think you guys it's only fair right if we're going to speak from a place of experience and quote-unquote knowledge that we try to open up a little bit. Yeah. Let, yeah. You, let you in um, <laughs> into our journeys, our pasts, our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we're also going to be asking each other a couple questions that we've not really talked about or expanded with each other on before. Yeah. So, who knows? The both of us are going to possibly walk away with some information about each other that we never really knew and 
you guys are here for the ride. You guys are the passengers in this really cool bus on the journey to something much larger than ourselves. We're going to be very vulnerable today. I have a feeling. Yeah. I'm going to let you guys in my deepest and darkest secrets. Yeah. Kidding. Not doing that. Uh, But (laughs) you will get some information. You will. Um, Because again, it's only fair. And also, I think we're both kind of interesting people and you could I don't know. I personally like, like, I, I like hearing about other people's journeys, especially when they're artists, because it gives me a lot of validity in my timeline. Um, and kind of where I'm going on my artistic path. I just, it's inspirational. Like the lady, lady Gaga documentary. I watch that every other day for good health. (laughs) Um, It's also just like with somebody that um you're close with it's really like I love getting into these conversations with my friends it's just Mm -hmm. so it reminds me why I love my friends so much (laughs) like why you know I know I've got good people around me yeah um but before we do that we're gonna start doing a little cute little thing every episode where we talk about we're starting a trend guys we're starting our own trend here on Muse um we're gonna talk about our current consumptions so it's it's three separate things. Something we've been listening to, something we've been reading, and then something we've been watching in no particular order. Yep. So Kylie, take it away. Oh, I'm going to take this shit away. So <laughs> listening to... Uh, in terms of music, the Rooster debut album, and it's literally called rooster debut by rooster um it's a small i guess it's not really an album it's like a small little ep but it's drain gang adjacent i would say slash evanora unlimited if anybody knows um kind of like the slower underground i don't want to say hyper pop because i don't like that word um but like core core glitch grunge sleaze cigarettes um (laughs) sex in a car what the fuck ever but listening to that and it makes you feel really sexy and cunt in the gym um and then also the duncan trussell family hour podcast this is a daily consumption for me so it's nothing new Mm -hmm. um but for the people that don't know let me put you the fuck on um Fun fact, Midnight Gospel is based off of his podcast. It's an animated version of, I think, like 10 episodes that he handpicked, him and the animator. Um, But every episode I listen to, I come to God, I resurrect, and I come back down and get back into my body. Um, (laughs) It's just really good. Uh, Listening, or wait, I just did that. Watching? Okay, watching. um, Wild Wild Country. Mm-hmm. is a documentary and an exploration of cults and religion and just crazy shit crazy shit as someone with a highly religious past um and no longer in that it's yeah religion is something that very much interests me um for context i am one of ethel kane's biggest fans and that's a lot <laughs> of what she speaks on in her music um but been watching that and what else have I been watching? Cold Case Files. Mm-hmm. Um, I like things that make me uncomfortable. 
I do. I'm a very big fan of horror and crime and understanding reasons as to why I can't trust anybody. It's just, it really teaches me a lot. <laughs> um, and then finally reading on top of horror. Uh, I started reading Tender as the Flesh. It's really grotesque and it makes me want to unzip my skin and step out of it. Okay. But good read. <laughs> and then on the polar opposite side of that, because my taste is not defined in any category, I'm list or I'm watching or oh my god, I'm oh. reading. <laughs> Holy fuck! I'm reading all about love. <laughs> and I'm also bouncing between Court of Thorns and Roses, but that has been something I've been reading for the past four months because I'm afraid of finishing it because it's so good and it reignited my sexuality. <laughs> um granted I should just cap it out and finish it because there is three other books in the series or maybe two i'm not sure two or three maybe it's three yeah We've got so a while. maybe i should wrap it up and move on to the next one um and actually try to finish something for once in my life but <laughs> anyway oh and one more book um hr giger it's a book called giger G- giger i don't know i'm not german but this is the guy behind alien in Alien vs. Predator. He's the one that was behind the vision for said alien. And he, I really admire his art style. It mm-hmm. speaks to my soul in a really raw and grotesque way. Mm-hmm. Um, so check it out if you want a good coffee table piece. It's brought me a lot of joy. I love looking at it and I love putting it in my purse and going to bars to make myself seem multidimensional and not like the other girls. When really I'm like all the other girls because I love the girls. So anyways, those are my consumptions. Um, I just put you the fuck on. Give me my royalties. <laughs> oh God. Um, my consumptions, we'll start with listening. I've been listening to Yeba's debut album, Dawn, which came out in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a tendency to like, Whenever an album comes out by someone that I love or even somebody that I'm just, like, interested in, I'll play it nonstop for, like, two and a half weeks, three weeks. Yeah. And then I'll stop and then I won't listen to it again for, like, another year. And that's what happened with this album. I, like, it came out in 2021. I listened to it all nonstop and then I just rediscovered it and it just reminded me why I love Yabba so much. And... For anybody curious, my favorite Yabba song is October Sky. And also for anybody curious, I know all about October Sky. Grace isn't lying when she says that she likes that song. I do. I also have a tendency when a song really speaks to me, I, like, don't like to shut up about it. Yeah. And I'll tell tell everyone to listen to it and why it spoke to me. And anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of podcasts, I've been listening to The Basement Yard non-stop love those fuckers those funny guys um they, they don't need no introduction really huh. <laughs> um in terms of watching kyle and i have been binging succession and i could go on a tangent about succession which i know i'm not like this is not a hot take like everybody knows succession is amazing but i love it because coming from a theater background so much of Succession is filmed as if it's a play. Like, it's written as if it's a play. It's directed as if it's a play on stage. It's just incredible from, like, a, a theatrical point of view. 
Um, not to mention the characters. Like, you could do a character study on every single character in succession, and it would be incredible. Mm. Um, so I've been watching that. I also just watched... Oh, I forgot the name of it, and I just looked it up earlier. The Duggar documentary that just came out. It's like Happy Shiny People or something. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, That's yeah. religion, bitch. Damn. Shiny Happy People. And if you grew up in the Midwest, like I did. Like TLC. I also did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I was speaking a little more broadly than just to you. Yeah, I know you grew up in the Midwest. Anyway, if you if you grew up watching TLC, like I did, my mom and I would sit and watch TLC. Um, you know about the Duggars, you know about 19 Kids and Counting, you know about all the the drama and the, you know, I, it's not even just drama anymore, it's like actual crimes, but anyway, um, I watched that yesterday and- Wait, what pretty, is it on? Um, Amazon Prime, I think. Okay, T. Another, another, okay, I also am a documentary junkie, so like, I'm just constantly on the look for, like, on the hunt for documentaries. Yeah. I tried watching the Bama Rush documentary. Have you heard oh, about that? Oh, yes. Sanj and I wanted to watch that. I would say don't. Oh, okay. Save because me it's... watch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was excited to watch it because in the previews and, like, the trailers, they talked a lot about this thing called The Machine, I think is what it's called. And it's, like, a, supposedly this, like, underground society that, like, runs Greek life at the university. Um, and really, the documentary does not really have much to do with with Rush more so than it does the director's like journey and like self discovery. The director? Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole thing. Like it's. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So anyway, I tried watching that. Um, it was okay, but it you know whatever. <laughs> and then, in terms of reading, I am rereading one of my favorite books of all time called beloved hello called beloved <laughs> oh my god <laughs> called beloved by tony morrison i read it when i was in high school because it was um it was in my like on my ap lit um book roster yeah um <laughs> and it changed my life then and i haven't read it since i think partly because a it's long and it's really dense and like it's not an easy read by any means. Right. Um, but also I think it was one of those things. It was like, I wasn't sure if I was emotionally ready to reread it. Uh -huh. um, but it's incredible. And I would recommend it to quite literally anyone who is looking for a book to read. And I would say, go into it blind. Don't, don't like, you know, maybe read the synopsis or like, you know, the back cover, but like, don't, just read it and take it in for what it is because it's incredible. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm reading and listening to and watching. Awesome. So we're going to get into the content of this episode. Woo! Who's excited? I am. I just shit my yeah. pants. <laughs> okay so oopsie <laughs> me never all right grace if you want to start a little bit about yeah give us a little tea and then i have a, a couple questions that i'd love to ask you 
Yeah, so... Okay, so I grew up performing, and it's no secret. I was a theater kid, and I still am a theater kid. And I'm not going to be <laughs> ridiculed for that. Kylie's over there giggling. I'm not going to... I'm not giggling because taking... I was a theater kid, guys, okay? Right, but the difference is that you didn't, like, pursue it. <laughs> In college, like I one theater it, class, and I said that's it. You know, I, I took I think that shit to the this. bank. Anyway, um, I grew up in the performing arts, and it's like, it's just like where my heart is. Um, and I, when I graduated high school, and going into college, it's like you're you're looking for a new sense of like self, and you know, you're trying to discover who you are, and. It ended up being that I stumbled upon the modeling industry and modeling. Um, so I've been modeling since I was 18. I've been, and I currently am, signed with agencies in New York and Los Angeles. I haven't done any work in LA, but I'm signed there, technically. Um, I've done a number of shoots. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Not to, like, get into my accolades, but, like, you know, I... <laughs> she won a Grammy, because, surprise, she sings and no one knows. I'm an EGOT. I have an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Yep. Um, But, in all seriousness, I have done... Like, I have a lot of work under my belt, and I've I've done everything from, like, commercial work. I most recently did a shoot for Etsy, um, and my hands and my torso are... <laughs> are plastered all over New York City subways right now, which is really cool. Yes! Um, <laughs> I saw it for the first time. I was on my way home from work. It was like a really, like, I got slammed at work that day. Yeah. Slammed, as if I, like, I wasn't slammed. I, it was just busy. Um. Anyway, I was, like, on my way home from work. I'm, like, on the train. Like, at a certain point in New York, like, there's a very short window of time where, like, the train's are just like miserably like packed and everybody on the trains are just like trying to get home from work and shit. And like, it was one of those days where everybody's just like, Oh, like, like Eeyore, like super grumpy. And I, I like looked up at one point and I was like, um, I think that's my hand. (laughs) (laughs) It, it, it was. And like the entire train, like one side of the train has the, the ad running across the train. Um, so I've done commercial work, I've done editorial work, I've been published in um, Photo Vogue, so that's mm-hmm. cool. I've walked in New York Fashion Week um, twice, and I have taken a step back. <laughs> I've taken a little step back um, for a number of reasons, but I'm I'm kind of I'm trying to trying to figure out how to slowly make my way back in. Um, which it's not hard. I would just have to tell my agency that. Hey I guys, t- I'm ready for work. Right. But you know, it's, yeah. there's, <laughs> it's, um, it's kind of a big decision to make because it's, it's very much um, consuming. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out how to make it work with my life. Right. And other important things. So anyway, um, I love modeling. I think it's such an amazing creative outlet. It's so much fun being on set with other creatives. And I was, I mentioned earlier that um, it's really cool to be the the canvas for people. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I see it, um, you know, because I can be on set and I show up 
they put me in whatever they want to put me in. The photographer tells me to do something. I do it. You know, of course, there's still like creative freedom and there, I, I have like creative liberty at time, but it's really cool being um, part of, of a creative team mm. to make an end goal, to make, you know, the final product. Um, but all of that to say, there's also a lot of really shitty things that go on, not only go on in the modeling industry, but like that we face in the modeling industry. Um, and that might be, you know, th- those those things will probably come with um, your questions that you might ask, or at least some of them. But Yeah, you know me so well, because I was going to say, going off of this idea of you being the canvas mm-hmm. and you being the art, essentially, the art slash the artist, Yeah, I wanted to ask you how modeling essentially has shaped the connectivity to yourself and Mm -hmm. good or bad you know if you've formed a deeper relationship with yourself by you know being pushed out into the world as the art and people admiring the art right it's like oh yes i'm sexy i'm so cool (laughs) or you know the worse the worser if that's a word the less fun sides of it where it's like okay, this agency doesn't like my look. They want me yeah. to go bald. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just interested in the idea of you being the artist and the art. It's really a crazy concept. It is. And I think it's hard because, like, I think anybody who is a model or is in the modeling industry that tells you that they don't do it for the, like, the vain, like, egotistical reasons is lying. Like, we all enjoy being praised for how we look. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not... Anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to your face. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are times where, like, you know, I'll be on set and, like, yeah, I feel good about myself. I feel beautiful. I feel sexy. I feel whatever. Um, And those moments are, like, really special. And then it it feels even better to, like... Which, it's, it's fucked up, but, like, it feels also good to like get the validation from people that like yes you do look beautiful right now you do look stunning right now you're killing it you know Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of like a double-edged sword I think in terms of like it does make me feel confident Mm -hmm. but the nature of the career is looking for validation from other people Mm. and I think it's I have thought about this so much, but I don't know if I can think of another industry where your success is solely based on your appearance. Yeah, because this is what I was going to, this is what interests me the most about the modeling career is this relationship between you as the art and the artist, but also I know that there's a huge, huge misconception in society about how it's easy, quote unquote, to be a model because all you have to do is walk and look pretty. Yeah. Uh, But this is something that I'm also, I'm curious to hear what you're, because obviously there's hard parts about modeling, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people overlook that and also underestimate the craft of modeling. Even the couple times that I've been in a photo shoot for my own music, I leave that, I'm like, holy fuck, I'm exhausted and I want to die. Yeah, it's very draining. And it's like, I think a lot of 
the attitudes towards models are rooted in misogyny and this idea that like because primarily like when you think of a model you think of a woman typically you know you think of like Naomi Campbell you think of so why am I blanking (laughs) right right right. you think of like these like all-star like superstar women that are like at the forefront of this industry um and I think I need you to repeat the question because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay, well, what I was basically saying is... Um, oh, 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 I got it, I got it, I got it. Just, yeah, the misconception yeah. that modeling yeah. is an easy craft. So then, so, okay, here we go. So when you think of those women, like, obviously they work hard. But, like, in, like, culturally, like, models, I feel like are kind of have been put in the same category as, like, blondes. In, like, movies and TV movies. No, listen, listen. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, and, like, I don't even mean that. Like, I'm, like, I'm on the blonde side, okay? Like, because oh, it's so... Guard. It's so late. Like, it's so untrue, this idea that, like, blondes are idiots. Like, yeah. like what are you talking about? And it's right. the same kind of thing with, with models. It's rooted in misogyny. and It's rooted in this idea that, like, women are just dumb. And, right. like, aren't capable of X, Y, Z. And I think that's that's carried up until I would say it's still happening. I think that that mindset is still yeah. Um, when it comes to like it being easy, I think there are things about it that are definitely easy. But I think the the struggles are just different. You know, if like if you compare it to something else, it's like yeah, somebody who say is like a musician. They have to tour. They have to be on stage all day. They have to, you know, whatever. And, like, those are, like, physically demanding things. Like, there are also physically demanding things you have to do for modeling. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's valid. And and that's not even, that doesn't even mention the, like, mentally, emotionally taxing things that, like, we have to go through to be successful in this career like you know the physical the physical element is one thing yeah we might have to stand on our feet all day um but we could also get into like how people are told that they need to like literally lose pounds or else they're gonna like lose their contracts I remember (laughs) and I'm not gonna like throw anyone under the bus here but um at one point I was like I had just had my wisdom teeth taken out and I hadn't eaten for a week because I had, (laughs) this is, I had, um, what are those called? Dry sockets? Yeah. Yeah. I had dry sockets like in every tooth that got pulled. So I literally, like I physically could not eat and I think I lost like 10 or 15 pounds in a week. And I went into my, um, agency at the time, not my current one, but I went into my agency at the time to get like updated pictures and um the the agent was like so what have you been doing because you look you look amazing yep yes oh (laughs) yes bitch yes 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 because let's but okay so this is where the conversation I keep saying it gets interesting as if this conversation hasn't been interesting (laughs) everything interests me okay guys yeah I Basically, how normalized mm-hmm. the culture of modeling is 
to where people have a right to the model's bodies. People yeah. have ownership yeah. of the model's bodies. People... Mm -hmm. Also, let's just stop fucking complimenting people's bodies to begin with. Let's just, like, not do that. <laughs> let's it's not do so, that. It's, it's disgusting. So and I yeah. hate when people say, oh, you look great. I don't yeah. want to hear that. I don't think. Granted, everybody's different, okay? So it's kind of just, it comes down to the person and you knowing who they are. But if you don't have any fucking idea of who I am, say nothing about my body. Say nothing about it. And that's what sucks because, like, that's the industry that I've gotten myself into. And, like, right. it's not, it's no, no, horrible, no fucking wonder, bitch. No fucking yeah. wonder that you're losing your mind. No wonder. Right. Exactly. And that's actually, this is, like, this is part of a much broader conversation that the industry is, like, facing right now. Um, maybe a little bit less than, than recent or previously. Um, but Emily Ratajkowski. Who's that? Oh, <laughs> I know. You know, the, was, the one that was making out with Harry Styles. Yes, yes, yes. Right. With his feet like this. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Love Harry, but anyway. Um, so, she, so she is like the, she's like a perfect example of someone who is like completely, and I don't even like that I just said perfect example. She has been like completely taken advantage of in this industry um, and, and sexualized to the point where it's like, yeah, she has a book out called My Body. Okay, just read it. Um, but there was like a huge like I don't remember if it was a lawsuit or like what the details of it were, but basically when she was young, she had she started modeling really young, I think, and she was really young. She had just moved to LA. She did a photo shoot with a photographer and the photos were nude. But the photographer used her nude photos that he took in a book that he published and was then selling and making money off of. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, hey, don't like that you're using my naked body as for a means of profit. And he was like, well, sorry, they're my pictures, they're my property. And so yeah, then it's this conversation of like, it's my body. Like at yeah. what point do you get to have ownership of, it's, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. And, you know, I think it's, that kind of plays into this idea that like modeling is so easy and it's like, you have it made. Yes, of course, there are perks. There are things about it that are easy. But like, you're you're constantly playing this battle of like, at what point do like, I have ownership of, of A, my body, but like, B, just like me, mm -hmm. you know, because you show up on set and like, you're expected to be a chameleon and just do whatever they want you to. Mm -hmm. And that's a that's like a superpower in its own right, being able to just like kind of morph into whoever they need you to be. Yeah. But it becomes very like I leave set and I'm like, so who am I? Dude, yes. And this blends into the idea of, okay, so if I have to become a chameleon as a model on a daily basis and conform yeah. to these visions and grander dreams that these artists have for me, whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Do you find it difficult to establish, say, an individual brand, an individual niche, a style? Um, I think of, what the fuck is her name? I don't know. I just think of different models that have like a signature walk or yeah. a look that they do. And people are trying to do that look based off of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, especially now, again, here comes the conversation of societal advancement and technology and social media and everything like that everyone wants to be different mm -hmm. and in the everybody wanting to be different there's an oversaturation mm -hmm. 
and the oversaturation yeah. comes with the qualms of okay, so I need to adapt to all these different things to make these people happy so they could be different and they could be unique and stand out. So let me do this thing and make them happy so they can establish a really cool brand and I'll be the face of that brand for a while and then I'll leave the set. I'm like, okay, who the fuck am I? Yeah. So, yeah. Just the idea of like establishing your own style, especially too with your agencies. Mm-hmm. I know how many different hairstyles they've wanted you to try or just <laughs> yeah. different poses and looks and yeah. um, all that shit. So like, the idea of individuality and uniqueness, do you find that hard to tap into in this uh, industry? I think, I think no. I think the reality is that you have to be, okay, maybe when it comes to like individuality, that's what agents and, and not even just agents, but clients want specifically. They no longer want just a pretty face. They no longer want the like 5'11", super skinny, xyz they no longer want that they want somebody who has like this hobby and this hobby and has this degree and this accolade you know and it's like okay that's great like yes we should celebrate people being multifaceted and like existing outside of their appearance first of all um so and i mean in order to be successful in this industry you really have to be multifaceted and you have to be you know unique in the sense that like you exist outside of the career, but then that's where it gets hard because this career is so demanding that it becomes your life. And it's like I talked about in the first episode, you know, it's like it becomes so consuming that it's hard to pursue other things, or at least it was for me. And, you know, maybe it isn't for other people, but I think when it comes to like establishing a brand, I think that's when it gets hard because you're forced to be a chameleon, like I mentioned earlier. And like, I could get a, I could get booked for a shoot that's like super crazy over the top. My hair is like sticking out every direction. Like my eyes are blacked out in makeup and I'm like posing like a robot, you know? And then the next day I could get a shoot where I'm like, happy go lucky, (laughs) happy go lucky posing for Target or something like that. So like, it's hard to establish a brand because I feel like you can't really have a brand until you reach like Bella Hadid status. Yeah. Because Bella Hadid, Gigi Hadid, Kendall Jenner, like they all very clearly have brands. And like, those are just the big three names. And like, there are, there are models that exist outside of those three people. But yeah, you know, I think it's at that point when you can like develop your own sort of like brand and niche. But I think it's really hard to do that when you're like someone like at my level, who's like, I'm a nobody. You know, like, yes, I've accomplished things and yes, I have experience, but I don't have the mm, wealth, you know, like, you know, so I think that's what's hard is like, we're told we need to be unique. We're told we need to to have a brand, like a unique brand, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to do that when you're also being forced to like morph into whatever they want you to be. Yeah. Well, also that's some. I was just thinking about you saying that Bella and all these different supermodels have brands, mm-hmm. but me thinking about it in my head, the way that I'm perceiving it is the fact that their brand exists outside of modeling. Like yeah. when I think of Bella Hadid, you know, yeah. I think of all of her wellness journeys and her really mm-hmm. cool outfits when she's on the street and she's not modeling. Yeah. Her friends, like all these different things I think about with her. 
Or mm-hmm. I think about Kendall Jenner. Well, I don't. I really don't think about Kendall Jenner. I just don't care. Let's her. be clear. <laughs> but just like these different, you know, these are models. I don't perceive their brand existing inside of modeling. I don't. Or Gabrielle. Um, yeah. She's a really big one as of recently, especially with IMG and all the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about her a lot. And again, I think her brand exists outside of her modeling. Yeah. Um, and I think if her brand were to exist inside of modeling, what would I think of? Her face. I would right. think of the makeup that is usually done on her face. And that's not right. her doing. That's, she's not doing that. Right. Um, outside of it, you know, I think of her cooking recipes, her, her, also her health and wellness, also her friends and the campaigns mm-hmm. that she's on. Like, yeah. all that to her, like her past musical experiences as she used to be in a band called Nasty Cherry. I think about these things. Yeah. Um. I don't think, again, my opinion, but I don't think models can have a brand that exists within modeling that mm-hmm. is fully, that they own, that they create. Like earlier yeah. you said that you have creative liberty, but what is that creative liberty? Mm-hmm. Your walk, mm-hmm. you know, different things. like, And that in itself, I believe is fucked up. Like you don't have yeah. the liberty to be an artist while you're being an art or while you're being art, right? Because, you know, can they coexist, right? Like, again, with music or all these different things, like we have outputs, we have things that we throw out into the universe. Like, yes, I've got a brand. Yes, I've got a style. Yes, I've got really cool, sexy clothing that I wear, whatever the fuck. (laughs) But I myself am not selling myself as the art. I am the artist. My art is my music. And that's what it is. I'm throwing that shit out or a painter. They are the artists, their canvas, whatever. It, that's what they put out. Every, yeah. I think modeling was one of the only things that you are both the artist and the art, which is a crazy fucking concept to me. Because of mm-hmm. course you're going to lose yourself in the sauce. Of course yeah. you're going to forget your own identity and fail to even see one to begin with because you, yeah. on a daily basis, are conforming to be something for artists. While you are an artist, you know, like, it's just a crazy thing to think about. It's really tough. And I think that's where you can, I can confidently say that modeling is not easy. Mm -hmm. And it's not all sunshine, rainbows, expensive, crazy luxury clothing sent to you. You know, like, it's not, it's absolutely not 100% that. And it's, it's exactly like you said, it's a, it's like a battle in your mind constantly of who am I? What is this for? We could also get into how people are not paid fairly. Um, You know, I mean, there's just like a list that goes on and on. And again, I'm very like, I'm very thankful and I'm very grateful um, for the things that I have experienced and like the opportunities I have been given. But, you know, it's unhealthy to not acknowledge that there's also some really, really crazy fucked up things happening um, in the industry that desperately need to change. Right. And I didn't even get into all of them, (laughs) but you know, that's just, it's, it's incredible if you can make it work for you. And I think that's also what I was talking about last episode, like being able to make your art work for you and how you need it to work for you. Yeah. And that's the point that I've reached now. Prior to now, my entire life revolved around like modeling and getting signed and going to a casting and oh my god did I book this job and if I didn't what do I need to do better and xyz and it was like it became so 
unhealthy and toxic. And it wasn't until Kyle like snapped me the fuck out of it and was like, you need to make this work for you, not make it work for other people. And like, since then I'm like, you're, he's right. You know, it's like, I can't keep placing so much priority on something that like, doesn't even give me anything sustainable back. Mm hmm you know, and like, yes, I can make money off of doing it. Like I can live comfortably. I can have freedom. Let me say, you can't really live comfortably. You can have freedom. You can make money off of it. But Hey, when you do make money off of it, you don't get paid until minimum 30 days after the date of the job. Right. So without, like I said, without getting into it, like all of it, um, it can be very beautiful. It can teach you beautiful things. You can meet beautiful people. But that's not to say that it is all sunshine and rainbows because it's yeah, not. Exactly. So. All right. So I guess I'll get into my context now. Um, <laughs> so. First of all, let me just say that I think it's hilarious in society. Um, not even society, just daily life as an artist. When someone asks you how long you've been doing something or. What like just the way that we seek validity by going so far back into our first experiences with the art form that we've chosen. Like for example, when someone says, Oh, you're an artist. Like, or like when you go to provide context, it's like, yeah, no, I've been singing since the womb. (laughs) No, the fuck I have. Like every child sings and dances when they're a kid, you know, like that's not a thing. I don't, no one gives a fuck. So (laughs) Obviously, yes, I've been singing and dancing and jiving since that time, of course. Um, But in terms of my professional experience, I'm very new. I am a fetus. I started, I released my first song two and a half years ago. Yeah, two, 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 right? Yeah, which is a crazy fucking thing to think about. My first song ever in the world was not even three years ago. Two and a half years ago, I released my first song. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I'm so behind. <laughs> Shut up, you dumb whore. So, time isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? Time isn't real. Timelines aren't real. Timelines aren't real, precisely. If there's anything you're gonna take away from this, let it be that. But anyway, so yeah, I released my first song two and a half years ago. I worked on that um, for a little bit of time, a couple months, I'd say. It really wasn't until freshman year okay so freshman year of college that's when I first went grace um (laughs) sigh and your life changed for the better and I was born again (laughs) but grace has also seen like I think this is also why we're so close in our artistic endeavors Mm -hmm. uh because we kind of acted on them side by side yeah um in different ways obviously yeah but she was around when I started seriously songwriting. I'd I'd been a poet. I'd been a poem writer my whole life. I guess a poet. That's what. It fucking a poet. Right. <laughs> I loved writing poetry all throughout middle school and high school. Um, I was in choirs. I was in show choir. We talked about this, I think, in the first episode. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, we didn't. No, the we original didn't. one that we did, though, we did talk about that. <laughs> We're both theater kids. We're both show choir kids. Ryan Murphy wasn't exaggerating when he wrote Glee. All of those things are real. 
all those things are real and Grace and I were in the shits with it. Yeah. We're in the shits and also we're a part of Glee. You guys just didn't see us. <laughs> yeah. um, we were, we were the background dancers that you yeah, didn't yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I did all of that shit. Show choir theater. I quit every sport I was in. I've been in every sport at least five times throughout my life. Um, I used to be a very big athlete and gave it all up so I could be Mitchie in Camp Rock, which was a crazy fucking dream I had at the time. No. <laughs> um, but show choir, dance captain, all those things. I had several accolades because I'm really cool. Um, <laughs> and then through show choir, I was asked to sing some national anthems. I was asked to be in parades, baseball games, basketball games, my high school graduation, which was fucking crazy because I remember singing and my ex was staring right at me and I almost started crying. Crazy time. Oh. Um, (laughs) But so did things all over the place with singing because I had a voice. Um, And it's interesting that earlier Grace was talking about the confidence that I had because I think a lot of it was blind confidence because looking back now on my voice wretched absolutely wretched because i taught myself how to sing um for context i taught Mm -hmm. myself how to sing guys by singing titanium by david Guetta 20 times a day it is on Um, youtube and yes if you need if you need fucking proof look (laughs) me up on youtube guys okay kylie dylan titanium i think i have the same two videos side by side but they're not the same videos it's just different takes you were what like how old were you in those videos like 12 12 or 13. Yeah. Okay. We Based all did the that. fucking eyebrows. Yeah. The way that my we cousin all... sat me down on the toilet and plucked my eyebrow. <laughs> I think I was 13 years old. We all have embarrassing videos. I actually, not to interrupt you, but I am interrupting you. I remember when I was that age, I had my neighborhood friend record me in my front yard singing Part of Your World from The Little Mermaid. In all seriousness. Well, that's really funny because the audition song that I had for my show choirs was part of your world from The Little Mermaid. So I guess that we were always destined to be friends in some way. We've always been tied together with an invisible string. By The Little Mermaid, exactly. Yeah. Um. So that is really crazy because that, that, is, that was our common see, bond. We would have never known that if we hadn't. We're learning new things today. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> so, Yeah. I've, yeah, been all over the place with singing, but truly understanding my talent, girl, I don't think it was even until last week that I truly understood it. Like, it's, <laughs> I th- it, again, being delusional, I think I talked about this in the last episode, mm-hmm. um, or just in, da- in daily life. I talk about this shit all the fucking time because I'm, I'm as delusional as it gets, babes. Delusional as it gets. <laughs> um that's what a lot of my music is about. I'm trying to establish a niche, a core of fantastical realities, but making that your own, whatever the fuck, no one cares right now. Um, but delusion has carried me for several, several years. Uh, even freshman year is when I dabbled with songwriting and I have some videos of me singing said songs in my Snapchat memories and they're horrible, but (laughs) the blind confidence and delusion encouraging me to keep going yeah. carried me through freshman year I remember having several breakdowns over not knowing what I wanted to do with my life um oh, Christ yeah this was an everyday I, thing. I, I remember my major was different like five or ten different times there yeah. was one point where I wanted to do audio engineering as if I've ever touched 
a computer in a musical way at that point. Um, <laughs> crazy fucking times, crazy times. Oh God, that just like took me back. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I've been all over the place. Never was I like, okay, I'm gonna be a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more so. Okay, I'm gonna be famous. Um, because I it was it was a blind it was a blind thing. I understood that I could sing some notes, and I had really cool vibrato that I taught myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't. No, I could really I could really be a musician. You know, anybody could get fucking famous, dude. So then, at what point do you like? What was like the term? Because and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like now. You would say the opposite. You would say, I'm going to be a musician. Not, yeah, I'm precisely. Yes, that's what I was kind well, of leading to. So what was your, like, turning point? Like, what triggered that change of, like, that change of thought? Hmm. I think... <laughs> Maybe this is a cop-out answer because it's Pride Month, but truly coming into my sexuality, coming yeah. into my identity, coming into everything that I was running away from, my mm-hmm. entire life up until that point. Yeah. In a way of, you know, saying things without trauma dubbing on the fucking timeline. I've had a very <laughs> not fun life. It's been very not fun. Um, in very different in various different capacities. One of those capacities being an enormous amount of religious trauma. Mm-hmm. And especially or particularly in the Christian community. Yeah. Um and so coming from that, coming from where I grew up again, it all ties back to the fucking Midwest because it's a crazy time living out there. Um, but college truly ignited something in me, seeing all of the different kinds of people and the different countries that everybody came from to come to IU, just Mm -hmm. all these different backgrounds and things that I never knew fucking existed until I came to college. I remember some people would tell me countries that they came from and I didn't know it was a country. And I'm saying that with all fucking seriousness because I lived such a closeted weird life bubble. up until that point because everything that I knew was everything that everybody around me wanted me to know because of mm-hmm. the place that I lived in there wasn't anything that was contrarian to what everybody else in that community wanted it was yeah. that one way of life and that's it no one else was fucking different I remember mm-hmm. if someone wore a piece of fucking I don't know and someone showed up to school with fishnets be like yeah oh you're a fucking whore crazy it was crazy like for context my middle school slash high school were right next to each other on Mm -hmm. in in our backyard it was a farm right we had a day of school yes we had a day of school where everybody would bring their tractors or horses or um there was fucking carriages like yeah (laughs) farm equipment people would drive to school like it was one of the last day of school traditions Mm -hmm. um just crazy like just the shit that I saw and just the life that I lived did not allow me to fully believe I could be a musician the thing that carried me throughout living in that home in in my hometown was okay I'm gonna be famous me a goth type beat like I have to be famous I need to get out of here that was my driving force and then I got out of that situation I went to school I understood that there was a life that I could live for myself not for anyone that I lived around. Yeah. And then I stopped begging God for forgiveness when I saw a girl and thought she was hot. Mm. And from there, 
like I truly remember there was one point in my life where Ruby Rose, oh my god, the oh, oh, that bitch ignited something hot. The animal, the animal. Trapped, I remember trapped. seeing Ruby Rose for the first time, and I was like, "This person is fucking hot." <laughs> Found out she was a woman, and then that point, I was. I remember I went in my room and I prayed mm-hmm. and sobbed for finding a woman attractive. Hmm. fucking disgusting the way that it, like and again this isn't a new experience this is something people yeah. experience every fucking day right. um but coming to college you know that allowed me to not only be independent but also embrace every aspect of myself that I, i've always known existed inside of me mm-hmm. and that was truly a turning point for my art and my music because it yeah. not only or it stopped being i'm gonna be famous to get the fuck out of this town and it became okay, this thing that I had blind confidence in, I actually have talent and I also am an interesting individual, unique artist. Mm-hmm. And this is what I will be. I don't yeah. care about the fame. I don't care about the clout. Um, obviously I want resource and every, resources and connections and everything like that. So I can give back to the world. Cause that for me personally is a huge reason why I want to be an artist. Obviously everybody wants to be an artist in some ways of validation, of course. Yeah. Um, but it was a huge turning point for me, discovering mm-hmm. my sexuality and just who I always was. Just yeah. Having the space to be that and to also have the space to try and expand mm-hmm. and see what works for me. Um, and those transitory stages of my identity. Crazy. I look back at them. I'm like, what the fuck? Why did I thought I what like? Who told me I ate? <laughs> Who said that that was cool? I don't know. I don't know. But I have so much love for that version of myself because that was when I was trying. That yeah. is when I was becoming things that I'd always wanted to be at that point, but never had the space to be. And, and those are the versions of ourselves that like we should love the most. Right. Right. I, I don't know. It's-, it's an automatic response when Grace and I find a memory in our Snapchat from like five or four mm-hmm. or five years ago for us to send it to each other and be like, oh, what the fuck? I hate that bitch. It's an automatic (laughs) response because it is so fucking cringe. It is. But at the core of all of that, we've like, we've got to love that versions of our, like those versions of ourselves, because that's why we're here to begin with, to even have this podcast is because we tried. That was when we fully started embracing, I guess the, or not even the opportunity, embracing the chance of us being something more than just famous. I also think it's so talent. it's so beautiful to be able to look back not only on myself but like I love being able to look at who you were in 2018 when we met compared to who you are now and I'm sure you would say the same thing you know yeah. it's like it's been so beautiful to like watch each other like grow in tandem Right. You know, and even though like we may have split off and gone like separate directions in terms of our growth and like where we ended up, both physically and metaphorically, you know, it's like it's just been it's such a beautiful experience to like grow alongside someone and be able to like look back at that. I think it's just so it's so special. Mm-hmm. It really is because it's very rare to yeah. be able to have that opportunity. You know, yeah. Like, truly, I. 
it'd be one thing if we were BFFLs and we were growing alongside each other, but you weren't an artist, I guess. But mm-hmm. having that common ground and just that space of like that's just a whole other dimension that we get to share together like not only are we in this reality together but we're in the creative realm together as well like what we were saying last episode you know where creativity exists um it's it's like a soulful bond for us to be able to share that soulful bond it's like yeah we're soulmates but we're also creative soulmates like that's just like the glue to our our bond and just being able to share the trajectory of our artistry together it's just it's a crazy thing um so sorry guys didn't mean to get happy there but <laughs> i i do I know everybody's crying i know you yeah, guys are crying it was really emotional. i hope you had i hope you had your tissues next to you um i love to hear you talk about how indiana has influenced your music and i mm-hmm. think like knowing you in 2018 again versus knowing you now I would argue, like, Indiana and and how you grew up and, like, where you grew up wasn't necessarily part of, like, your creative vision five years ago. But now it's, like, I just want to hear you talk more about that because I think, you know, obviously your environment is going to influence your creativity regardless of who you are. But I think you have been able to channel it in such an interesting way but I just like every time I hear you talk about it or like if even if you write a song, I know you have a pocketbook full of songs that are like about Indiana and like yeah. growing up there. And like, you know, I just I want to hear you talk about like to what level that inspires your music and your artistry, but also like ha- have you used that to kind of reconcile with and like heal from your upbringing mm. absolutely yes yeah um I think I wouldn't have 95% of the relationship I do with Indiana had I had a better life growing up there mm-hmm. I think had none of the things that had happened to me if they you know if they didn't happen I wouldn't give a flying shit about Indiana I wouldn't really yeah. care Be like yeah sure I'm from there but that's that Mm-hmm. but understanding it's kind of this idea of generational trauma yeah. understanding where traumatic things stem from mm-hmm. has been one of the greatest lessons of my life because there's Indiana then there's my parents or their parents and my parents and then all this like it all bleeds yeah. um and I I love Indiana so much for what it did to me Mm -hmm. and what it did for me because if none of that happened, I would not have my art. I would not have my art. I just wouldn't. What the fuck Mm -hmm. would I write about? I don't know. I don't Mm know. Um, Granted, I don't believe that anyone deserves anything to happen to them or for them, however you want to perceive it, for them to not only be a better creative and artist and but also to be a better person like no one deserved to have bad things happen to them for them yeah. to understand the dimensions of their potential artistry that's not i don't believe that mm-hmm. um it's like this whole idea of okay if god's real then why is this stuff happening to other people yep yep exactly and so but you know if i want to look at the things that i went through from a silver linings perspective 
I tr- like I wouldn't have my art. I wouldn't. In my personal scenario, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Because Indiana, Indiana is the place where all these fucked up things happen to me. Yeah. If these fucked up things happened in, I don't know, Ohio, <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. I would write about that state. And it's so, I love this relationship that I have with Indiana because it's, not only is it the place where all these fucked up things happen to me, but it's mm-hmm. also such a controversial, strange place. I think yeah. if the things that happened to me happened in California, it would be super different because yeah. it's, you know, it's a democratic state. It's, mm-hmm. there's freedom of sexuality. Obviously there's pockets of California that are very closeted, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Indiana being everybody knows what fucking Indiana's like <laughs> everybody knows mm-hmm. and so having that relationship with Indiana in the Midwest it's I love these conversations because it's such a strange open in a way of being it's like liminal yeah it's a very very liminal space in Indiana um, and it goes even like it gets even crazier to think about when you realize that it's your home it's my home. Like, like that is where I'm home. from. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to Indiana in what? Two days or not two days, five days. Yeah. 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 Five days. Less both- than a week. I'm going to be in and Indiana. That's crazy too. We're both like going back to Indiana at the same, well, not the same time, but we'll be there like within the same month. Yeah. Of like having these conversations. And there's writing about Indiana, writing about the things that have happened to me in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, has reconciled so many things within me so many fucking things um obviously my relationship with my abuser and all these different things but also my relationship with myself Mm -hmm. and being comfortable with a return to indiana and even longing for the slow pace and liminality if that's a word of indiana being you know living now in la and me mm-hmm. making that return to something that's so easy and slow. Yes. Oh, my God. It brings me yeah. joy. And it gives me so much inspiration to write about because there's so much potential. There's so much potential in that slowness, in that stillness. Yeah. And just tapping into that shit. I don't know. It's crazy because, again, if I these things that happen to me, if I if they happen in California, I don't think I'd care. Mm-hmm. I care about the things that happen. Right. I, have no, I would have no relationship to California because yeah. it's a fast life. There's things that I have opportunities for here in my personal scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would be a lot more encouraged to live a beautiful, sexy, cunt slay life if I lived in California. But in Indiana, we know what it's like. Um, it's crazy that you bring up this like this like longing and like a yearning for indiana because i have been in the exact same position in like the past month i've just been like i just like feel like i need to go home like i'm like prom dude it is and it's it's one of those situations where like you and i both could not wait to get out i like i was sad to leave because it was like i am a very nostalgic person and i attach meaning to everything and like having to leave my routines and like the things that I had attached so much meaning to was really hard Mm -hmm. but like all we wanted to do was get out and then getting out and now we've both left we've been away from Indiana for 
for me, almost a year now, for you a little under a year. And it's just so, it's so crazy, this feeling that I've been feeling recently and experiencing of like, like so desperately wanting to go back and not go back in the sense of like, I'm done in New York, I want to leave. But it's just like, I miss the, I just miss the comfort of being there. Yeah, the comfort and also, I think, the ability to resonate and heal alongside the versions of yourself that have existed up until this point. Yeah. Um, Because every time I go back to Indiana or go back to where I'm from in specific, um, there's a part of me that heals and breaks at the same time because it's being in that house. Yeah. It's yeah. being in that house. It's being in that cul-de-sac. It's being at this grocery store. It's being mm-hmm. in this drive-through line. It's being in this cornfield. It's being with this person, where it's like, oh my god, I was here in a, such a different way. That just made me and so now, <laughs> dude. And now I'm writing about this person that existed in this space, and yeah. it's all still me. And that is my favorite, favorite, favorite part of music and art and creativity is mm-hmm. the fact that I can write about myself or create anything about myself from a past version or from a past life. And it's all still me. It's like, yeah. a, again, it's this idea of holding your hand and holding the inner child's hand. Because mm-hmm. every time I make that return, I crack and I heal at the same time. It's like something breaking and letting the light in. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like punching a hole in a wall. When you're angry, mm-hmm. you fucking punch a hole in the wall for some relief. Okay, there's a hole and the light comes in. It's that yeah. idea. And like every time I go back home, there's something so raw about it. I can't really put my finger on it. There's not really enough words, I think, in the English language for me to fully, I guess, get across the way that I feel. Mm-hmm. But it makes me so emotional every time I go back to my home. Because yeah. I also have a very interesting relationship with the idea of home. I don't really think that I've ever had a home. I've never mm-hmm. felt at home anywhere that I'm at. And I don't yeah. think I ever will. Mm-hmm. But this idea of home, quote unquote, the way that I perceive it is like, okay, I came from here and this has to be my home. And so I love writing about it and I love feeling it and I love going back to these places that I wanted to die. Yeah. I, this is why I have such a, a, a fatal attraction almost to things that make me uncomfortable and mm-hmm. things that make me queasy and things that are gross because it's it's I don't know it's this space that exists between reality and dream like I love this middle ground I love this space where it's it's just you're not supposed to feel it but it feels good yeah um it feels right it feels like I don't know it just it makes sense Basically, the way that I perceive my art and my music, it's like an exorcism, almost. And think about when someone gets exorcised, right? Mm-hmm. It's the thrust of the Bible in the face. It's the thrust of the holy water. It's the thrust of all these things that are deemed as good in yeah. religion, in Christianity specifically. Mm-hmm. And the way that I perceive Indiana um, in the context of my art, in the context of my music, is that return to the good is the return to the heaven mm-hmm. um because it is it's an exorcism i'm going back yeah. to this quote-unquote home i'm going back to this place where i grew up where 
I, the worst parts of my life happened. Mm-hmm. This is where I became a demon, if you want to say. Um, and me now going back to that place, it's an exorcism. It's mm-hmm. a release. It's the thrust of the Bible in the face. It's the thrust of all these, all these things that made me into something very ugly, but in like, I take these ugly, gross, heinous things Mm -hmm. and put glitter on top of it. That's the, that's the entire idea of what my music is. And also I love saying I turn trash into treasure. This whole idea of garbage core that I like to coin. It's purely, (laughs) it's, it's, it's all an act of exorcism. It's all an act of a religious conquest because and that's why i'm so attracted to this idea of heaven and hell and all these binaries and mm-hmm. christianity and just i love i love i love the idea of religion i love what ethel kane is doing because it's truly art is like i'm being exercised yeah and not in a physical way like in a demonic way any time mm-hmm. that i write a lyric or anything about my my past in indiana it's like i'm cracking open yeah, I'm truly, I'm, I'm truly cracking open and going back to that place. Holy fuck! Like physically, yeah. It's, no wonder I get so emotional every time I go back, mm-hmm. because it's the ghost of me is there. Yeah, like I come face to face with that version of me any time that I go back to that house, mm-hmm. and it's it makes me so emotional because also confronting that ghost is like the potential of the life I could have lived in that house. Yeah, and also the versions of myself that existed before all of the things happened. It's mm-hmm. all in that same place. It's all in yeah. that same house. Which is so, like, has to be completely overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. Um. It's this whole idea of being born in a burning house. Mm-hmm. You think the rest of the world is on fire. Yeah. And going back to it, going back to the, the debris, and going, obviously my house is still there. It, has, it hasn't been burnt down. Um. <laughs> But I go back to it, and in a way, it's the debris of myself. It's the debris of everything I could have been, but instead became. Yeah. It's just, it's, that's exorcism. That's exorcism. That's, that's, that's this entire idea. So then I want you to, like, briefly touch on, which we've talked about this a little bit, and I think there's going to be, like, there's going to be an obvious answer, and then there's going to be, like, a bit of a, more nuanced answer but when it came to you leaving Indiana which was like such an an accomplishment almost what made you choose LA and what drew you to LA other than the very like obvious reasons in terms of music yeah um I'm just I'm curious because I think with us ending up on opposite ends of the country you know, I think all the time, like, what would life be like if Kylie and I both lived in New York or both lived in LA? Yeah. You know, and I think, like, for me, New York was an obvious choice because I've just always wanted to be in New York. But I feel like, like, I just want to know, have you always been drawn to LA or was it like, like, what was it about LA that was like, yep? I've never been drawn to LA. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> Okay. Uh, never once in my life did I want to move here. And I still don't think I want to be here. Yeah. But it's the aspects of LA that exist alongside Indiana. For example, the nature. Yeah. For example, yeah. there's pockets of California, not LA. 
a kind of LA. But the whole idea of me moving to LA is to have the opportunity of being somewhere that is adjacent to where I grew up in Indiana without being in Indiana. So for yeah. example, I love the idea of San Diego. Obviously, there's not fucking mountains and oceans and shit in Indiana. Yeah. But the pace and the slowness of life, even where you and you, Kyle, and I lived two years ago in that condo with his mm-hmm. parents. Um, La Jolla, very slow pace of life. That's where everybody goes when they're retired. I <laughs> love I love the option of slowness and stillness alongside nature. I needed those pieces of Indiana and where I grew up without mm-hmm. being in Indiana because I can't be there for the rest of my life. I can't grow and expand in Indiana. I can't. Right, right. That's really, I feel like I, again, you are putting like all of my feelings into words Mm -hmm. because I, for whatever reason, I have this very distinct picture of Indiana in my head and it's a picture of me just driving down a country road with the windows down. It's like sun, not sunset, but it's like dusk. So like, you know, and it's so peaceful and it's so like, I want to go to that moment, Mm -hmm. but but it's not real. You don't know right. what that moment is. It's the wanting to return to a moment that either neither existed or never existed or could mm-hmm. exist. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you, you want to go to something that you don't know yet. Yeah. But you felt, if that yeah. makes any sense. Um, but, and also too, I had already somewhat of a friend or I had a couple friends that were out here and mm-hmm. which is insanely important having at least a little bit of a start of community wherever you go whether yeah. you know, you're moving with someone or you're going to move in with someone when you get there which is mm-hmm. what happened to me I met my roommates when I moved in um mm-hmm. never once was I like oh I dream of being in LA if anything that was how I felt about New York for several years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and it's very funny that I did not end up out there yeah um and I'm grateful for that in a lot of ways because I think if you and I would have moved out at the same time, I there would have been a lot that I didn't like, discover about myself. I don't think I'd be half of the person I am now had I not come yeah. out to play and instead came out to New York. I'd be very different. I feel the same way about not only uh, like New York, but I feel that, like if I had ended up in LA, yeah, or I mean, we probably would have ended up in San Diego, but you know, still, I think it. You know, I think we have been and we are in the exact places that we need to be for this moment in time. And that's what, that's what I think is really encouraging to me and like keeps me going Mm -hmm. almost is that like there, there are going to be instances where like I mess up, I fumble, I experience things that like are shitty, you know, but like I know that at the end of the day, I'm never going to be in a position that like I'm not supposed to be in. And that's what I think is I think is most important, especially when it comes to like navigating through these these industries and these things that we're doing. It's like you're gonna mess up, you're gonna fail, but at the end of the day, like it takes those failures, it takes those like periods, not even like moments, but like full periods of time where you're like genuinely struggling and suffering to like really be able to take a step back and like I belong in this moment right now. Mm-hmm. And finally being able to come up, you know, to the the top of that hill and be able to think that is like, it's just so reassuring. Yeah. No, I think, 
I think too, the way that I've perceived the trajectory of my blind confidence in my music mm-hmm. is all of the, everything that I've become and am who I am now mm-hmm. um, is right because they're decisions I made. Yeah. They're not decisions that anybody made for me. Yeah. Because this is our life. No one else is living this for us, right? And so when we live according to other people's plans for our lives, no wonder we feel lost. No wonder everything feels wrong. Yeah. We're not exactly characters. Yeah, that's exactly what I was. You just described what I was talking about earlier in a much more eloquent way. (laughs) This idea that like, because I went through that, like I was letting other people dictate my day to day life. Right. You know, and it's. It's crazy that like we are in industries where that can that can be the case. I'm going to give you this is so kind of silly, but I think it's cute. What would you tell someone or maybe even better, what would you tell your younger self in small town Indiana wanting to be a musician? What would you tell them? Um I would say don't. <laughs> And yeah. here's why. I would say don't. Don't dream of being a musician in collaboration with fame. Mm-hmm. Dream of being an artist. Yeah. Um, dream of being gay. Dream of being free. Dream of mm-hmm. bring, being all of these things that have cultivated my art like yeah don't have you know like I think in a lot of ways me dreaming so long of being famous and all these things and this blind confidence it set me back from experiencing the rawness of my emotion Mm -hmm. Um, which is why I think in a way I often every day feel so set back and feel so far behind Mm -hmm. because I spent my entire life up until this point running away from things I should have been processing that whole time yeah um and now I feel like a musician because I am processing those things yeah you gotta feel that shit if I were to tell myself anything dream of nothing just be here Mm -hmm. feel it all and look at a woman and say she's sexy ask someone why they believe in god yeah. Like all of these things. I, I didn't ask questions. I didn't ask questions. I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to be famous and this is it. I, I'm, and that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll figure everything out later. Now I'm figuring I, things out. I want you to know, and everyone else also, I think it's so amazing that you are able at this age you're so young, like you're Mm -hmm. still so young and you have the bandwidth to be able to sit here and say what you're saying and believe it and like truly live it. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's, it's so incredible that like at this age, this young age, you have that ability. Mm -hmm. And like, we keep talking about like, um, you don't like someone may not feel like they have what am I trying to say? Like, you feel like you're behind and like, you know, but again, like, I think for, for a number of reasons, people our age 
feel like our clock is ticking. But I think, you know, as we're talking about like living presently and like, you know, feeling your emotions and all those things, I want you to know that like how amazing it is that like at your age, you're able to feel this and like live this and understand this right now, right here. We should be very proud of where we've been, but also where we are and where we're going. Right. Right. Placing a lot of emphasis on where we've been. Yeah. Um, Because that stays with us forever. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that can undo where I was born and raised. There's nothing that can undo how I felt. Yeah. But if I had that opportunity, yeah, it would easily Mm -hmm. be. Don't dream of things. Don't fixate on the future. What is this solving? Mm -hmm. It's making things worse. It's a temporary temporary fix. It is. not to say like don't have hopes and dreams but yeah. i get what you're saying i think but it's also it's so hard to stay grounded at such a young age not only being young but also being young and experiencing such traumatic things yeah you're not gonna process that in the moment no you're not gonna no. process that in the moment no. um but you can be present and you can journal and also inquire within yourself internally um because art is always there it's always there and it was always inside of me i didn't need to dream of being that Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's it's and also the idea of humanity is to have opposing beliefs that coexist at the same time so in one way you know i I wish I could have processed the things and been there and been present, but also how can you when you're going through such traumatic things? So it's kind of a two sides of the same coin. Well, can I just say that I love how at the beginning of this episode, you said you weren't going to share your deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. And then maybe Maybe they weren't your deepest, darkest, but they were pretty deep. They're pretty deep. I have way deeper and darker, Mama. But, they, but the iceberg. as you were just saying, two sides of the same coin. So important to hear and to talk about and to let other people know that like you can be both. You can you can have these like fantastical yeah. delusions and like these big hopes and dreams, and you can also be suffering and struggling, and that you know there is like it's the human condition to have opposing beliefs yeah i don't know why we are so poignant about establishing genres and labels and definitions for everything i guess it's a way of understanding what already exists in nature Mm -hmm. without it's this whole idea of going back to art existing without us yeah so of course we're going to try to define things it's a way of possessing power right exactly Um, so I guess in a way I do know, um, but don't be an aesthetic. Don't be a core. Don't be like, it's okay. It's so okay. It's also okay to just be. It's so okay to just be and not like exist within the like confines of one identity. Dude, I, all the time I hear people wish that they had a passion. Mm. 
and weren't passionate in 20 different things. Mm -hmm. Like one singular, like driving force. Right. There's so much freedom in having the opportunity of not knowing and the Mm -hmm. opportunity of just being and discovering eventually and maybe hating it and then trying something else. Again, it's this entire idea of expansion. Right. There's not just wake up and breathe. That is that is the all you need to do, dude. Yeah. That's all you need to fucking do. And do your best at whatever you want to do your best at. Mm -hmm. That's it. Just be nice. Emphasis on be nice. Just be fucking nice. Kindness goes a long, long way. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially for my ass. Okay. Well, I think we should wrap considering you have probably what now 6%? Close. I have five. Okay. So once again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone listening. If you've made it this far, we love you so much. If you listen for an hour and a fucking half at this point, this was a long one. This was a heavy one, but I think it was important and necessary. Very necessary. You guys, you have the right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyways. All right. Well, I hope you took something out of this episode um, Mm -hmm. and just truly realized that everyone's got a lore. Everyone's got a story. Everyone has a story. Just be nice. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to think about and to realize that everyone, even the strangers walking alongside you on the street, each have their own unique individual story that we know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And a life that is so important to them. Okay, guys. Um, <laughs> let We're going to wrap this up, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. So much for even wanting to hear us speak. I know sometimes my voice can get annoying. Um, but also just thank you for giving us the space. Yeah. Um, and we're really grateful to even have the opportunity to speak on our our experiences and our backgrounds like this and to be mm-hmm. here especially yeah. um because you know there were several times i didn't think i would be and i'm very grateful that the both of us kept pushing yeah. but yeah that's our episode on ourselves uh we're going to be back next tuesday with another episode um yeah. I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head, but I do know it's going to be good and I do know it's going to be juicy. So strap in, stay posted. We love you. Go with peace, go with kindness, go with empathy and go with creativity, mama. We love you. Love you guys. See you next week. Huggies and kissies.